Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I mean, you did maintain some untruths, some lies at the reunion, Hmm. right? Why did you do that? He feels like it would be less hurtful to say that, you know, this wasn't going on for so long. Welcome to Scandaval Endgame. We have gone through it. I'm just now hearing my voice, by the way, which is equal parts. <laughs> Absolutely, unfortunately, um, caused a little bit of this like inside <laughs> sass appeal to <laughs> the volume and tenderness of my voice right now is, is equal parts. Uh, unfortunately, a little bit of a response to the Uh, smoke situation here in New York City, as well as the fact that I attended Bravo's viewing event last night and screamed and yelled and lost my shit. But anyway, back to Scandaval Endgame. I can't believe it. We saw part three, and I have a couple thoughts. Um, Before I get to them, I just want to let you know, there are about 700 episodes of Andy's Girls coming. There are a number of friends, content creators, writers who want to discuss this thing that just occurred that many of us are still processing. So buckle up over the next couple days because today, for example, I am recording about 1800 hours of Andy's Girls and also asked for your thoughts on all things Scandaval and more. Um, So slide into my DMs on Instagram because I will be doing a 1900-hour Patreon episode featuring your thoughts, your satchels of gold, your feelings, your questions and concerns, and some of the satchels that I've already received even honestly in like the moment the finale started airing the finale of the reunion rather. Last night I was getting really, really interesting, intense, deep, um, really well thought out, just completely gut instinct triage level responses from you guys. So slide into my DMs on Instagram, include your first name and town. Um, Please no voice notes. And they may be featured on that upcoming Patreon episode, which again is going to take about 18 years because there's a whole lot for us to discuss, even inside the conversation of our own perceptions and experiences and how that shaped our reaction to last night. But back to last night. 
So my friends at bravotv.com invited me to the viewing party. So there was a viewing party in New York and a viewing party in LA. We didn't, we weren't, we knew that um, cast members were going to attend to like quote unquote surprise, but we weren't sure exactly who was coming except that Lala was in town for, um, watch what happens. Uh, Sheena posted that she was in town. Jackson, Brittany posted that they were in town. So my expectation was that, um, at least those three cast members would be attending, but I wasn't sure. And I also was like, oh wait, maybe they're attending to be in the audience at watch what happens. Who even knows? Um, I listened to so many podcasts yesterday in the lead up to the viewing party. (laughs) that my level of anxiety just continued to ramp up as the afternoon went on. And at a certain point, I was like, okay, I need to stop taking in VPR content and listen to Lawrence and Beyonce because if I continue to listen to cast members yelling about this, I think I'm going to have an actual panic attack because the energy and some of the nervousness and anxiousness of whatever the fuck we are going to hear in the last five minutes just made me genuinely like my heart started racing and I just was getting anxious. Um, I'm one of those people like, you know, a dog, um, it's always good to compare myself to a dog, but you know what? Bitches understand each other. And you know that like feeling when you're coming home and um, your family dog sees you for the first time in forever, or if you're lucky enough to be a pet owner, rest may his memory be a blessing, um, PK, Kemsley, Kemsley Galley. Uh, but when you're like getting back to your house, apartment, whatever, and your dog is so excited to see you that its tail is wagging and it seems like it's going to have a, like an absolute anxiety attack, that was absolutely me over the course of last night until there was a little bit of a change in emotion, which we'll get to. Um, So anyway, so I was listening to a bunch of podcasts uh, featuring cast members in the lead up to the finale event. And I found myself really intrigued by a couple of them, which I think definitely impacted my experience watching um, part three. One of which, now this might be, trigger warning, upsetting for some of you to hear. And trust me, it is a feeling that I am sure will be unpacked on some of the 1900 podcasts that I will be recording for AG Classic today. But I went on Schwartz, uh, I went on, LOL, I listened to Schwartz, um, who guested on Jackson Brittany's podcast, and I posted a mini summary about um, what was discussed over the course of that conversation and highly recommended it to people. And I stand by it. I thought it was a really, really interesting conversation. And you can hate Schwartz with a passion and I think still find value in what was discussed. Noting, understandably so from a podcast content creator perspective, that the energy and opinions Jackson Brittany discussed at the episode prior about Schwartz It was a different energy when they were having a conversation, which any podcaster can understand uh, when it comes to like talking about someone's behavior versus wanting to make sure that they're comfortable. And obviously, you know, these people are also good friends. Um, But I thought they did a really, really great job. And it just it was honestly so fascinating because it felt like it was the first time I ever heard Schwartz sound very connected 
to anger for the position he put himself in and the position Sandoval put him in. And it was an acknowledgement, which seems so obvious at this point, but baby steps with Schwartz, that Sandoval uh, willingly, understandably threw Schwartz in some ways in front of the fire. Not to say Schwartz wasn't responsible for lighting his own matches. And there are a myriad of ways, myriad, myriad of ways that um, on previous episodes of AG, I've uh, you know, really unpacked Schwartz's own levels of manipulation and frustration and anger that a lot of people um, feel about his level of disrespect toward Katie and Ariana and other members of the cast. And it was at least really interesting for me as a total outsider to this to hear him understand that um, he participated in uh, a series of essentially like lies um, that had a hugely, hugely harmful impact. And also that he was willingly misled by this guy he's now in, you know, this years long partnership with. What do you do when you share the same name with someone? It's like he's trying to now separate himself from Sandoval. They haven't spoken in a little bit. He had some thoughts on Sandoval continuing not to take accountability. He doesn't seem thrilled. And I think he's finally understanding a little bit that the level of frustration that people have toward Tom is genuinely warranted. And Tom still to this day has not held himself fully accountable. Not surprising to anyone who saw last night's episode, which I thought was one of the most revealing episodes of any reunion cycle that I have ever seen. So I would encourage you to listen to that podcast. If you're looking for cast member content, which I thought was um, a really interesting conversation and chat. And again, regardless of how you feel about Schwartz, I, I just thought it was um, interesting and uh, nuanced in a way that I didn't anticipate um, it being. Uh, also heard Sheena, I think this was on Jackson Brittany's podcast. And I think at a certain point, things get muddled because I listened to Lala's new episode of her podcast, which was also really good. And so some of this information, I forget if it came from Lala or Sheena, but um, or rather which podcast someone was on. But I think it was on Jackson Brittany's in listening to the conversation that Sheena and Brock had when they guested on the pod. I was surprised to hear, for example, that the only reason that Raquel texted Ariana two days after Ariana discovered the affair was because she was told to by someone else. If you remember during the original finale, um, Raquel went over to Katie outside when she was talking to Tom and at one point sort of (laughs) announced to the world that she understands empathy and she has empathy for Katie and whatever she said. It was very stilted and as with many instances of Raquel performing accountability, it felt like she wasn't actually connecting her words to behavior, which makes sense because following that episode, um, uh, this like sort of essentially friend of the cast, her name is Janet. She has a close relationship with many members of the cast and really interesting perspective on um, 
how she has experienced the Scandaball fallout and and being present uh, during many of the filmed events. And I forget if this was her specifically saying it on a podcast episode or a cast member repeating this conversation, um, but there was a conversation about the fact that Raquel even saying those words to Katie at the finale event only happened as a direct result of this woman, Janet, essentially advising Raquel at this point as a friend in a way that a person would want, even if they're not respecting another person's behavior, just to say, listen, take a second. You're behaving like like a fucking idiot. Like, understand that you're coming across as someone who has absolutely no empathy for another person's feelings. And that's not great. Like, do you have empathy? Like, take a moment. And Janet approached her in a way that, in a way to give her counsel and to say, like, sort of take a minute and try to understand the greater environment. And Raquel responded to that by just going outside and parroting what Janet had said to her as a script, which is not me dragging Raquel in any way. It's just kind of understanding and noting that this is a pattern of behavior which is someone advising Raquel or speaking to Raquel and then Raquel parroting back, just repeating back that information and attempting to communicate it as a feeling. And I think for Raquel sometimes, language to her is sort of like a script that she shares, but I don't know about the level of understanding that she has. And then I watched the part three of the reunion. And I have to tell you, last night, there was so much screaming. There was so much chanting. We watched Sheena perform Good as Gold. Sheena and Brock were lovely. Um, Got a chance to meet them. I think I had met Sheena before, Um, but they were great. Jax was there with Brittany. I spent um, several minutes talking to Lala about the world of podcasting. I mentioned the whole IUD thing, the comment that Sandoval had made because earlier that day I'd listened to Lalo's new episode. And so I said to her, listen, I've interviewed you before. She was like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And because uh, I had interviewed her, you can listen, you can just search for that under AG. It was a conversation that I had with her, I think in 2019, um, with interviewing Lala and Ariana for a couple minutes backstage at Watch What Happens Live, um, which was on a whatever episode that was. I think it was like a Bravoholics it might be the title of the episode. Anyway, so I was talking a little bit about my previous experience to her interviewing her. And I said, listen, I just want to let you know, as a podcaster who's, you know, been doing this in this biz for 150 years, I just want to let you know that I think you have a lot of talent at this. I find myself as a podcaster looking to disconnect, listening to your episodes both for your feedback and commentary about the Scandaval and about what we're also seeing, but also because I'm, I, I like hearing your voice, not the literal tenor of her voice, which is also lovely, but the way she communicates and takes command, I find just as a listener, incredibly engaging. So we were talking about that. And then I said, listen, I was listening to your new episode and um, I have to tell you, I don't remember the IUD comment hearing that. Um, from a previous episode of the reunion when Sandoval essentially says, I think it's sort of like under his breath, but loud enough for everyone to hear in the middle of people yelling that the only reason that 
Lala um, got pregnant was as a response to Stasi announcing she was with child. And that is so unbelievably disrespectful and disgusting for any person, especially a man, to suggest and, and use as a as a as a weapon, essentially. And so we were talking about that and her horror when she realized what she had what he had said looking back. And the thing that's so interesting about meeting VPR cast members versus other Bravo Lebs is they're so overall in any interaction that I've had with a, a cast member of, of VPR, which might be at a press event or a media thing or interviewing them or you know, one-on-one, whatever, is that I have found the cast overall to be the most grounded um, of any other kind of Bravo show because there's a way that housewives uh, sort of carry themselves and are looked at. You know, like we joke about the Melissa Gorga as J-Lo dynamic, but there is something to be said that in the world of Bravo, not specific to Melissa, but there's just a different kind of energy with Housewives. It's more of a performance. You know, it's like, oh, it's so-and-so and yada, yada. It feels like they're more of a like Disney character. And so while it's lovely to meet them in person, and, and that certainly is a different experience in and of itself or have them on the podcast, it's just a different energy and vibe. So it was somewhat fascinating to be in the room where it happens with other VPR cast members content creators were, um, when you walked into the space, the bottom floor of this viewing party was open for general admission. So you could buy a ticket and attend this viewing event, which was incredible. There there were decals and Bravo VPR themed food. If you went into the bathroom, Poo Poo Heads was a decal on the mirror. One of the content creators, I forget who it was, took a photo with Sheena in the bathroom and the decal in the mirror said it's all happening. I mean, it was just like really, really funny and cheeky. So the bottom floor um, was filled with friends and people coming solo and everybody having a blast watching the screening. And we were able to see last night the Peacock Uncensored version that came out today. The top floor was content creators, a couple members of the media, and then the members of the cast. So when I walked up there after having my little um, golden ticket, also known as a different colored wristband, it was really groups of us content creators. It felt like a little bit of a family reunion whenever you know, a bunch of people are in the same room at the same time. It's like our own little mini BravoCon. And the interactions with the cast were like casual and as great as you would desire. And it was a perfectly assembled event in terms of like not being overcrowded. But the energy was so intense that there were chants. You know, Lala excused herself at one point. She had to go to watch what happens and ended up watching the final part of the um, reunion in her dressing room, I believe. Um, but Sheena was there watching the uh, final part with all of us, Brock taking video, I think, for their vlog, which was genuinely adorable. But there were points where people were so excited that Sheena was in the space and just in reaction to her <laughs> moments in the trailer, which were so fucking funny, that um, people were just like, especially from down below in the GA area, were shouting like, Sheena, Sheena, Sheena. But that also meant 
that some of us were like, shut the fuck up. We're trying to listen to this fucking episode. So I missed even watching the finale in the room where it happens. I missed, I would say, at least half of the content because it was so loud. People were so exciting, but they were all so excited, but they were also talking back to the screen. Um, and I mean, listen, when you're in this like sassy sort of bar-esque like restaurant and you're watching Sheena dance to Good as Gold and you're watching Lala sing the theme to VPR. At one point, people were screaming when Good Good as Gold was played a couple times and people were screaming at one point um, when Good as Gold was playing. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder where Sheena is because I was taking video from the top floor and then I realized she was directly next to me and I felt like content creative through you I felt like such a fucking moron because I was like why are people looking up here what's happening oh she's literally right there um so it was a a genuinely wild event and also when think about (laughs) the ways that people responded it, it truly was rocky horror picture pump because when Raquel entered on screen at one point, I mean, the booing, the craziness, the response to Ariana saying, I hope Charlotte haunts you was absolutely wild. The screams that came out of my body that you can see on Instagram because I shared some of our like content creator responses in the moment were insane. So earplugs, please, I beg of you. Um, But there was a moment at the end of the episode during the five minute reveal when Raquel started breaking down and crying about how she hates to deceive people. And if you're not a VPR viewer, per se, I would recommend watching this reunion cycle. And if you're not interested in watching all three parts, how dare you? I would recommend watching the third because I had a weird experience being introduced to this season. I didn't intend to sort of watch VPR in a timely manner. The last couple seasons haven't been great. So, you know, the last the first few episodes of the season aired and I was like, all right, I'll get to it whenever. And then the Scandaval came out and I immediately obviously caught up with this season and then have continued on essentially watching the um rest of the season live with everybody else. But because I knew that the Scandaval had taken place, you know, with more information obviously coming out, it colored the ways that I watched this, uh, the, the first couple episodes when I like did a very, very quick triage style binge. And in watching the last five minutes um, with the reveal of what Raquel shared, this thing that so many of us have been losing our minds over what what is it going to be revealed what is what is going to be revealed what's going to happen how crazy could it possibly be i found myself rewatching really truly in many ways for the first time the episode again watching again the uncensored version which is available on peacock and in knowing what the last 5 minutes were the way that i was taking in all of the information just felt so enormously dark. And there have been moments, the finale, certainly the Scandaval specific finale, the second one, the updated one, where I was so hooked in and felt such a high in watching. And last night was so much fun. We were like essentially partying after and dancing. Sheena's like living her best life. Um, But I felt a little bit of a sense of dread 
after watching those last five minutes because there is that point where I genuinely felt so connected to Raquel breaking down and seemingly really releasing shame that she felt, which was for the first time to me an understanding of what had actually taken place. I don't think Sandoval is there. I don't think he'll ever get there. But when I was watching the episode, which I finally did in like total silence, I started, which I just finished two seconds ago. It is early afternoon here in New York. I literally started saying out loud during the last minute of that last five minutes, she gets it. And listen, at the end of the day, this is my perception and experience. You can have any number of opinions. You have every right to. And the way that you have lived your life, any experiences you have had, potentially, who knows what kinds of betrayals different um, audience members have experienced in their own life, which informs the ways that they form opinions about Raquel, about the Toms, not just Sandoval, but also Schwartz. All of that contributes to levels of anger that people might feel or disengagement, disinterest. Um, I have experienced XYZ in my life, and I don't feel like the person who betrayed me got anywhere near the kind of punishment they deserve. So why should I give a shit about Ariana or this? I've heard those kinds of reactions from people, and I understand it. I might not agree with it, but I don't need to. Um, it's another person's experience. It's, it's theirs to share and feel and potentially at a certain point, maybe process or not. But I felt in watching the episode back, there was such a feeling of darkness today in watching it in silence in full. I, I genuinely have to say I feel a little emotional about it because it felt like Sandoval is such a piece of shit, that every single part of what he had said, every moment of Ariana's continued anger and refusal to look at him as anything different than a highly manipulative lying machine, it felt like every part of that came true. It's not that it rang true. It quite literally was revealed as, to me, fact. Because the last five minutes, what Raquel revealed was in direct contradiction with, LOL to many of us, the Howie Mandel interview, the way he has comported himself. I feel like I'm using comported incorrectly, but welcome to my life. Welcome to my brain. Um, on social media, going after a journalist for writing about his nail polish, going after a spa. He's been very specific and very strategic in who he thinks he can engage with to portray himself as a victim. And in the last five minutes, Raquel essentially shared with all of us that everything he said over the course of the reunion was highly strategized, highly strategic, and knowingly built on a lie, which is important. I know that's obvious to many of us. It's why for content creators, we've been calling him like a fucking dick for over the course of many weeks. And I think there are people I've heard from them who defend Tom, who say he made a mistake. Tom himself is leading that um, parade. He wants people to feel that way. He wants people to feel that he's imperfect and a human in his way of, and of course, he quite literally is a human person. 
but it was all strategic because he felt that if he said, for example, it, we only slept together a couple times. It wasn't continuous and continued all the way through. He used that to try to say, you can't call Raquel a mistress because that definition to me does not work. It's the incorrect use of the word because your characterization with her doesn't match with the behavior. He used that narrative repeatedly over the course of the entire reunion and the finale itself, saying it only happened once and then we stopped and then, you know, it picked up months later. And he said that in yelling at cast members, in trying to share with Lisa and Andy as a way to say, you can hate me, but the way that you hate me uh, is too much because I haven't done all of that. And yet at the end of the reunion, in addition to some other things that we'll get to, all of that was revealed by Raquel as a lie. Six days after the reunion was filmed, she sat down solo with a producer. By the way that she discussed Tom being mad at her for XYZ, it seemed apparent to me that he was aware that she was filming a follow-up with the executive producer, Jeremiah, who deserves an absolute EGOT for the way that he led that scene and talking with her and trying to sort of coax her to just be honest because he, I think, obviously also for the content for the purposes of the show, understood the importance of that. But I think also understood that if she continued to lie, in many, many ways, it would not be great for her. You can say that from the perspective of like, what does shame and betrayal do to a person's internal life? And also, if you want to continue on this show in any capacity, there's no way to move forward unless you're honest. So let's just do it. It, it seemed by the way that he was engaging with her and saying, I don't believe that you're telling the truth here. I think you need to, you know, be a little bit more honest, yada, yada, that he was aware of what she was going to say before she stepped on camera. I assume that they had had a conversation where who knows who started it, but um, where she revealed like, okay, I want to come clean about some of the stuff that happened at the reunion. And I am sure that he was aware of some of the things that she was going to say because they discussed it, which I think helped that moment and that scene become even more powerful because it felt like it was a genuine conversation where he understood not only by her behavior and by her face and reactions that she was not doing the thing that maybe she said she wanted to do in being as transparent as she was comfortable being at that point, which is still evasive, but that he understood that she wanted to reveal more than even she said she was going to in that chair, which I thought was interesting. But here's what she revealed in the last five minutes, which colored the experience for me of watching the episode, um, you know, fully in its totality this morning, that Sandoval coached her to lie over the course of the reunion and obviously prior, but specific to the reunion. He attempted to, in my eyes, use that as a way to position his acts as less harmful. And he understood how bad that was, yet he continued to betray everyone. And I wrote as a note to myself, Raquel said, he feels like it would be less hurtful by lying about the timeline. 
And my reaction to that was like disbelief and an absolute cackle because (laughs) the way that Tom felt that continuing to lie about the narrative, he positions that to Raquel as a way to be less hurtful. Maybe it was an act of caring for Ariana. It just so happens that that, you know, kindness of continuing to a lot, continuing to lie was less harmful to himself. It was an act, an absolute act of self-protection by Tom. And the reality is in lying about whether or not they had sex in his house, whether or not the timeline of when it started, the the timeline of it continuing, them fucking repeatedly in Mexico, all of that makes Tom look like a piece of shit. It, it is seemingly obvious to many of us that his conversations with her have come from it, the... Um, There's been a little bit of a conversation on my social media and certainly many other channels, uh, if you want to call them that, about whether the, the forms of control that Tom has over Raquel and whether or not that's complicated by age, like the power dynamics at play. And I understand that because there's a difference in their ages. He is allegedly 40-ish. She is, um, to my understanding, 28. And obviously the difference of like 12 or so years, yeah, there's lived experience there. I definitely think there are power dynamics at play. I don't think age is as much as a factor as other people believe because you can be an old soul at 20 and you can be whatever at, you know, 52. It doesn't, wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age. Obviously lived experience does the longer that you are an adult in different relationships and whatever else, certainly that can uh, complicate or continue any kind of like path that you're on. Um, You know, having a however long year relationship with someone ending poorly or not is going to influence the ways that you engage in a relationship later on. Maybe it's duplicating that experience based on whatever potential trauma had occurred. Maybe that's looking for someone who's exactly the opposite. That's just the nature of living life and dating and being with different people. Um, It's complicated. Uh, So certainly he has more experience than she does with long-term relationships. But 28, your brain is fully formed. You're an adult. I think that power dynamics are at play, but I don't think age is necessarily as much of a factor in that power dynamic as, for example, fame. I think that Tom's understanding and experience being on this show for over a decade (laughs) is much more of a factor in looking at him as a quote unquote adult within the universe of reality TV, which Raquel obviously wants to be a part of. And in understanding power dynamics, I am less interested in removing the majority of responsibility that Raquel should continue to carry. But I do find myself confused and perplexed by her and sort of curious in understanding who this person is or maybe how she will continue her journey because it seems somewhat apparent that she has no idea of who she is and is only now even in those five minutes, coming to terms with what she's done. And who knows if she's going to be back. Um, Listening to, I think it was Lala's episode, 
Lala was like, there's conversation between Raquel's team and the other side. I didn't know what she meant by the other side. I assume production. Some sort of dialogue is taking place. Many members of the cast have discussed that Raquel herself has mentioned wanting, at least until fairly recently, wanting to continue on the show. But her family has a lot of control over her, including at 28 years old. Um, And so that's a power dynamic that I think is framing her reactions and responses to this. But back to those last five minutes, it was interesting to hear the way that she was positioning their lies as being something almost charitable in a way. When I look at that and I think, no, actually what you're doing is continuing to manipulate these people on stage continuing to lie to them and say the harm that they experienced either isn't valid or didn't occur, which is just compounding all of this. Sandoval's number one intention is to protect himself, not protect him and Raquel. And if there's any conversation, I'm sure many, that they are having about how he can help her and support her, to me, it doesn't come from any kind of understanding of real care. and. That's difficult to, to see play out because there was a moment toward the end where Raquel was struggling with something that she wanted to share and she started to sort of break down with her producer and she said, you know, Tom is the only person that she has left and she didn't want to betray him by telling the truth. And I thought about that and I kind of like sat with it and processed it and I thought like how dark is that understanding, which I think is commonplace in many ways when someone is asking you to lie, to protect yourself, I'm sure is a part of the narrative, to protect Ariana as well. They're friends. And I just thought, you know what, if he, if he cared about you, he wouldn't ask you to portray yourself by asking you to lie. Like, he wouldn't ask you to betray who you are and maybe the values you think you have, even if you don't uh, actively engage in them by asking you to lie. Like, I don't want to betray Tom by really reflecting on seeing myself as a liar and carrying the weight of that. I don't want to betray Tom. So in order to do that, I'm going to betray who I am. And she started to break down and cry and talk about the, how uncomfortable she is with being deceitful, an awareness of what she did even over the course of that reunion. And I wonder what will happen with them as a result of this. I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed together. But I think now there's a way for Raquel to pretend those last five minutes didn't happen, but her body is always going to remember. I wonder who is going to be with her to connect those dots because I think at the end of the day, she really is truly alone. Even friends that she has in the friend circle of people she has from like pageant days, there's a woman, I think her name is Jenny, who is very good friends with Raquel. They knew each other from pageant days. This was discussed again on one of the cast podcasts. And um, I think it was Sheena's when she went on Jackson Britney's. 
and that Jenny was someone who went to Sheena's wedding and was intending to stay in a hotel with Raquel because Jenny's, I think, now husband wasn't able to attend. And I think Jenny covered the tab for that uh, for that hotel. They showed up in Mexico. Um, you know, Jenny's not a cast member, obviously. I don't even know that she's been on camera, maybe background for events, but she's known to other cast members as a good friend of Raquel. They show up. Jenny said in advance, knowing how production works, make sure that they're aware that I'm staying with you. Make sure that I'm that they're aware that I'm staying with you, that we're staying together because she didn't want there to be any hookup. Uh, hiccups. Rather. Oh my God. LOL. She didn't want there to be any hiccups um, with filming in their hotel room or maybe making sure that production was aware that like a non-cast member was going to be sharing a hotel room with a cast member. So let's clear up if they're not comfortable with that before we, you know, finalize staying together. And it was only when they arrived in Mexico, Jenny attending alone, um, uh, thinking that she was going to be there with Raquel, that Raquel said to her, oh, I'm sorry, we can't stay together. You can't stay in this room. Um, production won't allow it. And so Jenny was left. I don't actually know where she ended up staying. I believe she paid for the room, only to find out later the reason that happened was because Raquel needed a place that was private enough for her and Tom to have sex. That's tough. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. 
Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. And that was a part of the reveal in the last five minutes, not specific to her friend, Jenny, who I think maybe had Raquel in her wedding party. She later on got married or maybe had gotten married prior. I don't know where their friendship is at this point in finding that out. But Raquel shared with the producer in the last five minutes that the second time that they slept together was in Mexico during the trip celebrating Sheena's wedding. Sheena talked about on the podcast um, about the fact that Raquel and Tom were both hours late to wedding events and I think also hours late the day of the wedding and that she found out later from friends, people who were helping with glam, whoever else, that they saw Raquel and Sandoval making out um, in Mexico. And these were people who didn't watch pump rules. So they only knew Sandoval as Tom. So when they uh, saw Raquel making out with a Tom, they assumed that was Tom Schwartz, the person who had been sort of the subject and object of Raquel's on-camera interests um, and desire at that point, only to realize after the Scandoval came out that, oh my God, the guy with the mustache isn't Schwartz. It's the other then seemingly obviously committed to Ariana, Tom. So a part of that last five minutes minute reveal again was Raquel sharing that they were they were fucking um in Mexico repeatedly. She also shared that she had in fact met Tom's mom. She attempted to lie and to Jim Jeremiah the producer and say, oh she 
you know, was going to decline sharing whether or not she went to St. Louis with him to meet his family. And then the footage flashed to a photo of them together in St. Louis, dated from December. Um, and she essentially, essentially sort of admitted it. And then they kind of moved on um, to other reveals, including the fact that she at one point suggested a throuple with herself. Tom and Ariana, and Tom said no. Um, and then the lead up in talking about the fact that, man, if she kind of like is fully honest, um, that she felt that she would be betraying Tom, and then started to break down and cry, and then said, Well, you know, I feel such deceit, um, and I feel like such a terrible person because what does it say about someone? who hooks up, in her words, with someone's boyfriend in their own house, which was another absolute strategic lie. Sandoval said during the reunion, of course, they didn't have sex in Ariana's house, which is a lie. So Raquel admitted tearfully, like almost through a a panic, that um, getting it sort of out of her body and, and out of her system, that isn't it terrible that she hooked up with someone's boyfriend in their own house while they were out of town for their grandmother's funeral? And watching that live last night, there's a video that I posted of a group of us um, content creators reacting to that. And you can just hear me shouting, Raquel, oh no, that's really bad. And then watching it again today, it's just so bad. And as I had the benefit or curse of watching those initial episodes for the first time after the Scandal came out at the beginning of season 10, when I watched today in full sitting down and like through essentially a magnifying glass, watching the reunion in full knowing that the entire time Sandoval was being so strategic and so shitty in saying, listen, it wasn't that bad. You have every right to get mad at me, but you know, it wasn't what you, what you were saying didn't happen. So you don't have the right to be furious. And knowing that one of many, many times that they slept together because there wasn't a break was in likely Ariana's bed, certainly in her house, while she was out of town for her grandmother's funeral, is so, so shocking to me. I understand people who are having these like wild assumptions or, you know, imagination running cray that Alex Baskin, the executive producer of um, VPR, saying to Kate Arthur, which we discussed in, in, in um, the most recent AG with Kate, that, you know, there was going to be a revelation shared that would make it really difficult for the cast to want to pick up filming um, immediately. So they needed to have a little bit of a pause that opened up Pandora's box of ideas of what could it be? Maybe there's a spinoff happening, maybe something else, maybe someone is getting fired, maybe somebody did something like extra cray, maybe there was another cheating thing that came place. 
that that came about i always felt that it had something to do with the t- with the timeline i felt strongly that it might have something to do with james with their potentially being the introduction of sandoval and um Raquel having some sort of affair during that point or something else and that was in fact not it but the interesting thing in that episode uh with Schwartz and um Jackson Brittany was that Schwartz at one point you know Jackson Brittany are like what do you think the reveal is going to be what do you think the reveal is going to be and the episode came out the yesterday the day that we would find out within hours what the reveal was and Schwartz was like yeah I think it has something to do with the timeline I think it's like probably the fact that they didn't stop having the affair and there were murmurs that I had heard that that was what this could possibly be and he said it so kind of confidently but as like a nothing burger that there's a moment where Jackson and Brittany are like oh, okay because the episode hasn't come out yet so do you think that's what it really is there was a just kind of like nonchalance nonchalance that's not a word either guys oh my god brain there was a nonchalant way that um Schwartz was communicating that that made me feel like oh that has to be exactly it <laughs> <laughs> because even the way he's like sort of backtracked it a little when he realized that's kind of a big deal to discuss it made me feel like that's gotta be it um also Schwartz said that he and Sandoval have not been in touch um and Brittany shared that she hasn't heard from Sandoval essentially I think in years and got a text from him with no other information not how are you not you know, the Scandoval, how crazy, and it's named after me. But he said, listen, I want to let you know I have a show in Kentucky coming up, and I just want to invite any family, friends, or fans of yours to the show and would be happy to put them on the list, i.e., I've got some fucking seats to fill. If you know of anyone, let me know. For him to say that in the middle of this, understanding Brittany as a former cast member and her relationship, continued relationship with members of the cast, is a little bit of a window into who the fuck Sandoval is. There's a moment during the finale where he sort of breaks down with Lisa Vanderpump at the end of the, and I keep calling it the finale, but I mean part three of the reunion, where he is in, a, I think, a dressing room at that point, and LVP comes in and says to him, you know, um, I think you really need to apologize and be honest, and it's a way for potentially us to move forward. And I watched her communicate that to him, and I'm sure there was an element of care there But I also thought like, oh, she's telling him what we need from a production perspective. Maybe it's possible that many things are true at once. It was interesting, though, to see him break down with her and say, you know, I wish I could have a conversation with Ariana, but I understand why that won't be possible while crying and then came back out onto set and was able to reach into some of those feelings that he hadn't at that point. And it was interesting in watching that and in watching the ways that he discussed his own understanding of repentance and frustration that members of the cast didn't understand and respect his level and interest in holding himself accountable and sharing full accountability because those last five minutes, while maybe not the aha moment that many members of the audience were expecting and hoping for, or maybe even felt like they deserved after all that hype, 
I actually was really shocked by it. I have to tell you, because just think of the ways that he was so endlessly manipulative, so knowingly and with such specifics over the course of this. And I bet he believes some of it. I bet that Sandoval thinks he deserves to have a conversation with Ariana, which is probably more truthful to Tom than a a willingness and an interest in having it. I think he believes genuinely that he deserves to have that happen. I, as he said, um, at one point during part three, I wish that one of you had texted me to check in. I'm so happy that you're supporting Ariana, but essentially dot dot, where's my support? It's an interesting thing to hear him say when, you know, minutes later in a dressing room with Raquel um, after she, you know, was uh, done filming so they could get Sheena out of a van, um, that he would make fun of Lala and James's support of Ariana as essentially a temporary nothing burger that they're just hopping on the train. And yet moments prior, he was thanking people in that room for supporting Ariana. It's interesting to get more of a take on camera of how he actually felt. But back to him wanting to have a conversation with Ariana, I would argue he was getting that conversation. He could have, apparently there was a a convo they had the night she found out that lasted from them, her seeing pictures of him, uh, I'm sorry, a video of him being intimate, a screen record of him being intimate with Raquel on his phone at his concert. And they obviously talked or fought or whatever, as she said, until 6 a.m. He had so many opportunities to have a conversation with her but he refused to apologize. Tom's idea of a conversation with his now ex-girlfriend is having her listen. He cannot afford to take in the anger that she feels as anything other than a reaction to some sense of what actually happened, but he's continuing to manipulate and mislead her and add to the harm under the guise of protecting her from the truth. He could speak to her or at her at any point over the course of that reunion cycle, but he refused to because it would require the truth. And the truth is, to me, that he kind of hates Ariana because the most shocking point to, or at least... Maybe he hates women with a voice. Maybe he hates women, an understanding of women as human people and not just a possession or a caricature, a formation, a work in progress. Because I think he looks at Raquel, maybe not unrealistically, as a vessel for his own interests. He doesn't look at her as, he's not behaving with her as someone he wants to protect. He's using her as a way to amplify his own passion and love for himself and use her as an additional form of arsenal to borrow from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. She's a part of his like weaponry and protection of the other members of the cast's anger. 
anytime he defended her, it was either to continue to double down on yelling at Katie to say she's a piece of shit with Raquel after, or to really truly support the narrative that he had seemingly counseled Raquel as a literal script. Here's when we had sex. Here's when we didn't. We never fucked in our house. Stay silent here. It was very, very clear through what she shared that he had an obvious agenda of how to strategize, which is why it was so funny when he projected and accused Ariana of being the one to do that. He was only following in Ariana's footsteps. He would never do these things. He just, she was just smarter with how to utilize and manipulate plot and reality TV than he could ever be. So he was just kind of like picking up when they were together on what she wanted to say. And it was enormously interesting to me the way that he still really truly refused to apologize to her, except potentially after LVP had counseled him to, or at the beginning when he felt like this is my opportunity to thank those of you for standing with her while also later on wondering with a, a, a level of hurt why they hadn't checked in on Tom Sandoval himself. And it's like, well, now I think there could be potentially an understanding of why that didn't happen. Why would they check, on, check in on someone who's continuing to lie to him? The way that he mocked and made fun of Lala's outrage and ridiculed the way that she challenged his character, I felt like that all came true in part three. Everything that Lala said about him to me, regardless of how you feel about La La and an understanding of her growth or challenging of whether that growth has taken place. I don't think that she was wrong in what she said about Tom. I feel like the last five minutes proved all of that as close to fact as humanly possible. I'm, I believe what Raquel shared in terms of um, oh, how Tom had told her to strategize and how they were sort of going to go through this together. Whether or not she believed it was through protection, only Raquel can really know. But the way that Tom was lying repeatedly on camera reinforces why any kind of check-in with him or conversation with Tom would be self-defeating. It would be not only a waste of energy, but potentially more harmful because he wasn't willing to actually share what occurred. He was continuing to very actively manipulate. I think that's one of the reasons why when Ariana went on Watch What Happens Live and was asked, you know, something along the lines of like, what, how would you respond to the reunion now? Or what did you think about the reunion? And she responded with, you know, like there were a lot of lies. If she had more time now, she would challenge what they said then. And that was seemingly directly true from what we saw. And there was a level of awareness um, of who Tom is in some of these moments that were wild to me. Tom at one point calling Ariana motherfucker. This is not a man who's coming into the space wanting to repent. This is someone who has a lot of anger and rage. And I think a lot of that is directed absolutely toward Ariana for what she has received as a result of this and for the fact that she is seen as in some cases, I don't know how she would feel about the use of this word, but as a victim of this, that Tom doesn't look at her as a victim. He looks at her as a participant. And that has stuff to do with the Scandaball, but I also think there's a role in there of their relationship, which is why 
Andy said in the lead up to the um, part three, there is a moment when Tom said, and this is a complete paraphrase, it's not a direct quote, but there is a moment when Tom says something that is going to anger every woman, every woman in um, America. And so the entirety of last night, I was like, here's the moment where it might happen. Here's the moment we're talking with each other. I'm with comments by celebs, Dill, um, Gibson Johns, a group of us at the table. Here's the moment. Here's the moment where it's going to happen. And then they started talking about, I honestly don't even remember what. It could have been something having to deal with the timeline of the affair, because honestly, who are we kidding? That's absolutely the through line of um, what actually occurred. But there was a moment potentially when Raquel was saying that she was concerned about Tom being satisfied sexually with Ariana because first and foremost, she wanted him to be happy, which I was really taken aback by the idea of like, that's why I had that conversation with Ariana at the finale where I was asking about their sex life. I understand how terrible that is now. This is not a direct quote, but I wanted to, I I was concerned about it because I, first and foremost, I wanted Tom to be happy. And I thought to myself, number one, whose business is that of yours? Except that obviously you guys are engaged in this wild fucking affair. But also what about Ariana's happiness? Because you're asking Ariana about their sex life. She's telling you they're, they're having sex. And yet the only reason that you approached her was to ensure she was like essentially providing Sandoval adequate pleasure. It was never about Ariana. It was never about Ariana's pleasure. And also you're receiving information that she's sharing with you. You just decide as a way to process continuing the, infa- the affair is it, it not being fact, I guess. Like I don't understand the purpose of that conversation as anything other than an opportunity to see if it is in fact possible that Ariana and Sandoval will break up and potentially a way to help Tom, but also figure out how much of this potentially is truth. I I don't know. I don't know the level of awareness that Raquel had that Tom might be lying to her about the state of his marriage. I don't know. In the ways that Schwartz talked about his own level of like disconnect from all of this, who knows what he actually believed. He talked about his own capacity for like, I had a lot of stuff going on. My dad was in a hosp- several hospitals over the course of seven months and had a 5% chance of survival. One brother that was in rehab, one brother had been diagnosed with cancer. So while he obviously actively engaged in a cover-up with Sandoval, um, but I think that's undisputed except for, I mean, LOL except, for the level of uh, responding to that cover-up. Who knows the ways that Raquel decided to participate in this, and who knows whether she understood like another kind of choice being possible. I don't, I genuinely don't know. But the conversation around Tom's level of pleasure having sex with Ariana and seeing Ariana in that terms as only a vessel who exists to give Sandoval pleasure was unnerving to me, which led to that moment that Andy said would upset every woman in America. Um, I think he was exactly spot on because. This colored the entire experience last night and rewatching 
truly for the first time closely the episode today when in having a conversation about either the number of times that Raquel and Tom had fucked or something else. Um, uh, oh, actually, I think it was in having a conversation about whether or not he had LOL cheated on Raquel by sleeping with other people after he had started sleeping with her. Members of the cast said, oh, I heard about this person. I heard about that person. And he's like, oh, you're getting your information wrong, LOL. And um, Ariana responded and said, I know who he was sleeping with while he was sleeping with Raquel, me, which directly contradicts what Tom has tried to portray during filming with Schwartz, obviously with Raquel, on Howie Mandel, wherever else, that they weren't being physically, sexually intimate. So Ariana is sharing, you know who he was fucking while he was fucking that lady over there? Me. And Sandoval's gut instinct response, the thing that I think turned off the lights or really on the lights for Schwartz, he immediately said, she kept her shirt on. It was really hot. And then when the cast understandably immediately reacted with an extreme revolt, including Schwartz, who put his head down, looking down at the floor because Schwartz knew in that moment how fucking bad that was and also super revealing. He said, sorry, dude, to Schwartz. This is a man who later on with any member, a a large member, a large measure rather of upset says, I wonder, I I wish I could have that conversation with Ariana. He's having it in moments like this, which tells you the level of self-protection required when in conversation about truth with Sandoval, because there were these moments that were so fucking revealing about who Sandoval actually is. And I got comments when I posted a video of that on my social from Sandoval apologizers, God bless, or people who sort of don't understand what happened, which is understandable, especially if you're new to the world of VPR, um, saying I either I don't understand what this means that she kept her shirt on or, OK, well, they weren't having sex. So like, of course, he was seeking pleasure outside of this. And that's not the point of why women, let alone viewers of any gender, were upset because if you had an understanding of what Ariana has discussed on um, the show and in media episodes well prior to the scandal, you would know what he was actually trying to say. He did this on Howie Mandel. He did this on the finale with uh, Sheena, where he has talked about and shouted um, what would be private. Um, potential struggles that Ariana was using as a threat if um, Sandoval dared to actually break up with her, which Ariana clarified after the fact were a lie, that Sandoval was lying and saying she told him and threatened him, in his words, to unalive herself, those are mine, if he dared break up with her. That was, in Ariana's words, a lie. He was lying about that. He said it on camera as a way to protect himself from, I assume, the members of the cast who were pissed at him, as well as the audience. He lied and manipulated the idea of someone harming themselves as a way to protect his reputation. 
That's number one. Number two is Ariana has discussed at length the long-term effects of being in um, at least one significantly negative, toxic, harmful relationship with an ex who was at the bare minimum, extremely emotionally abusive, which makes to this day moments of pleasure and experiences involving sex and intimacy very, very difficult for Ariana to the extent that this ex of hers would tell her, and this is like true gaslighting and manipulation and harm, he would tell her that her vagina was not healthy or normal. Imagine being in a relationship with someone who's telling you repeatedly that your body is bad and how that affects the way that you look at yourself, like your literal body and how you feel as a woman, especially a woman um, in moments of pleasure, including sex. Imagine what that does to a sense of security and trust that is not only broken in the relationship with that ex, but brings with it such an enormous challenge in trying to find a sense of stability with a romantic partner and also with yourself. Like when someone breaks you down at that kind of cellular level, telling you not only are you not enough, but you are wrong. Your body is wrong. Imagine being in a long-term relationship with someone who's telling you that having sex with you is not normal and not knowing the level of manipulation that has, but knowing that the results still continue to affect you. That's long-term sexual trauma. So perhaps there are moments when Ariana is wearing a shirt while having sex. Sandoval knows that these things happen because they discuss them on camera. She's discussed it in conversation with, I think, LVP, among other people. He's discussed his level of admiration for her of the ways that she's worked on herself until, of course, there's a negative lens turned on him. And then he goes for the lowest, darkest, darkest aspects of her past to either use as a manipulative way to protect himself or as a jab at her that she wasn't sexy enough. How hot is it that my girlfriend has her fucking shirt on when we're having sex? He's not only directly referencing the harm of her prior toxic relationship, but actually doubling down on what that ex said. She wasn't sexy enough. She wasn't her her actions and instincts were harmful. They or not harmful, I guess harmful for his dick. Like they they weren't enough. He she wasn't providing pleasure in the way that he deserved. So he was going to on national TV at the reunion remind her of that. He's doubling down on the trauma that she experienced and he's making fun of it. And he's attempting to normalize it as he did with Raquel. Imagine being Ariana watching that back knowing exactly his intentions in that moment and knowing that that influenced the ways that Raquel had that conversation with her, which she thought in the moment was to try to help her and help their relationship or just, you know, have a conversation about intimacy with someone that she trusted. Knowing now that that was based on Tom telling her she wasn't properly servicing him is incredibly fucked up. And just to say out loud for anyone who's experienced sexual trauma or hasn't, but has a different, a different way than what Sandoval would prefer, that wearing clothing 
could be a response during sex or any kind of intimacy. It could be a, a response to potential sexual trauma, sure. It could be a way to feel comfortable or safe. It could be a way to maybe feel connected to yourself. It might also just be comfort. Like maybe Ariana's comfort in that moment was wearing a fucking shirt. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think that if there was a concern that Sandoval had of, you know, are you okay? I just kind of like want to check in. That could be a conversation he could have with his partner, but that's not what he's doing. He's saying that's showing that he wasn't fucked good enough. And that's incredibly fucked up. So if we're going to talk about promises that might not have been kept in the eyes of many viewers, understandably, based on what Alex shared with the with Variety and with other media outlets in the run up to the finale about whatever the fuck crazy shit sit, sitch happens in the last five minutes. If we're going to talk about whether or not it, it really, you know, um, equaled what he had promised would be delivered, that's a conversation I understand. But you can't tell me on, you can, of course, you have every right to. But to me, Andy's saying there's a moment where Tom says something that's going to upset every woman in America. Women plus. I can't imagine being anyone (laughs) and watching what Sandoval said about that fucking shirt and not being overwhelmed with rage. That was the moment that I completely lost my shit, and I am still there now. I thought it was unacceptable, repulsive, repugnant, and very true to Tom. And the fact that Schwartz reacted to it by putting his fucking head in his lap and Sandoval said, like, sorry, man, he was apologizing to Schwartz yet again. The only person that he thought deserved a flippant, superficial apology in that moment was Schwartz, not his ex. That tells you exactly what he thinks of women, what he thinks of that woman, the woman who he was in a long-term committed relationship with. They called each other life partners. That tells you what he thinks about sex as only being an experience that foundationally occurs to make sure he feels good. And the responsibility of that is with whomever he's fucking in that moment. And that's it. Like that to me is the direct correlation of how he views Raquel, how he views any number of women on that couch, regardless of whether or not he's fucked them. It was confounding and very, very honest and true. So I thought Andy Andrew, baby daddy for AGs everywhere, Andy's girls, I thought he was beyond spot on. And there was like this like just anxiety that I felt while watching last night. What's it going to be? What's the line going to be? What's the thing going to be that he does? And when that moment started, I was like, this is it. And when it landed, I was like, what the fuck? Because everyone in that moment knew it was bad. Probably so did Sandoval, but he didn't give a fuck. He didn't say sorry to anyone else but the other Tom, and that was cursory at best. That is a, to me, wild moment, especially if you're an OG of VPR and understand what was underneath what he was saying. 
it was cruel and mean and dark. And that's why the overwhelming feeling that I had in watching part three was like, yuck. It was yuck. And there was a lot that happened that I didn't get to. Luckily for you, there's going to be like 1,800 (laughs) episodes, which will include Orange County Conversation, which will include New Jersey Conversation, which will include a conversation about a non-Bravo television show that I have some thoughts and feels on. But I think that was, to me, the moment that stands out in terms of like what we actually watched. And there was a line that Raquel and Tom kept saying of, you know, we're only humans, we're only people, we're complicated, maybe we're broken, but using that as a way to suggest in the ways I felt like Raquel was parroting Sandoval's script, that maybe mistakes were made, but they weren't the mistakes you're telling the public actually occurred because we're lying to you now. We're human. We're human people, but we are human people who will continue to lie and manipulate because we know that what we did was really bad. And the interesting thing to me was like, not only the ways that Sandoval was being strategically evasive, flat out lying, trying to divert attention onto other people and hold them account to take five minutes away from him being in the hot seat. Not only that, but adding in additional moments of betrayal and shame. Like Ariana kept saying, there, there were certain points where Schwartz was like trying to make positive conversation with her, which was poorly timed on his behalf, even if it was well-intended, oy vey, where he... um talked about like, you know, after you were humiliated, look at how the public has supported you. What does that feel like? And she, Ariana in return, was vulnerable and cried at at points and talking about how meaningful um, the the public support has been, the support of select members of her cast. She cried. She talked about how she couldn't physically eat the week following and lost eight pounds, which is not obviously a point of pride, regardless the way that some people respond to stress when discussed in a like disordered fashion. Oh, yay, someone lost weight as a joke and a punchline, which can actually do an enormous amount of harm. She wasn't able to care for herself and her body because her body was so upset. Sandoval's looking at her crying in his own special way, knowing he's adding to her upset by continuing to lie with her the very day, that moment that they are in, because eventually she'll find out the truth. He's just trying to prolong the lie as humanly possible, maybe so that the truth can be found once again off camera, which ultimately is the thing that Sandoval needs most, needs most to continue to manipulate his ex-girlfriend who he's no longer in a relationship with and ensure that any moment of potential true accountability that he has is not in front of a camera crew, which tells you an awful lot. It's also why after 10 seasons of watching Tom, this has become such a big fucking deal. I was reading the Glamour. um, Ariana was newly announced as the cover of this month's glamour and I was reading the profile of her and um 
which was really well written and it noted at one point that the finale of VPR, I'm going to fuck up the, um, the numbers here, but essentially like the total viewership who watched the finale was, let's say like 4.1 million people. Total number of people who watched the finale of Succession, 2.8. So we can pretend that this is a nothing burger. We can pretend that this is a niche community. We can pretend that, um, conversations and shock uh, is to be discounted, disproven, and discussed as something that adds no value. But more people watch this show and are talking about it than my personal number one goat, Succession. That tells you something about the value that having conversations can bring potentially to a consumer of VPR and Bravo content. And it also is a backup to the idea that this is just a small amount of people who give a shit. A lot of people care about this and are talking about this. And it's okay to care. It's okay to binge VPR. It's okay to continue to consume as many podcasts or articles or merch as you possibly can. Because there are many, many people who feel the same way you do, not necessarily in sharing your opinion, but wanting to watch and discuss. And I think that was a remarkable moment, even just in seeing and reading those stats to, to understand that like this is a big fucking deal to a lot of people. And while that um, feature gets into the idea of like why that is, the reality is it is what it is. And in watching those last five minutes, in watching part three of this reunion play out, it's just a stunning turn of events for many of us in understanding the consequences of Tom's continued acts. It's just so fucking nuts. The way that he defended Raquel because he was defending his own narrative, watching that burn into the ground, trying to push forth any kind of like argument to protect her as anything but an argument to protect himself, lying repeatedly about this only happening one time with a break because that somehow makes it less bad and is also wrong, crying to Ariana about the way that she was hurt and impacted, knowing he's still lying to her and telling her she's wrong when she says what actually occurred happened and took place knowing that was a lie and not valid, he understands and he supports the fact that her friends are rallying, but he's making fun of it and asking where's his share at the same time. It's just so fucking nuts. And I don't know, I felt like the end was a little bit of a breakthrough for Raquel in understanding that she participated in harmful acts and that she continued to by lying over the course of the reunion, I assume that is one of many, many reasons why she was not emotional in any way. I think a, a part of her was steeling herself against the lies because she understood that what they were protecting and performing wasn't real. I think there is any number of ways to go about having a conversation about her behavior at the reunion. But I would say one of them can involve the fact that he was continuing to betray any sense of love that he had by how he used Raquel 
as a shield and a form of armor. And my God, what the fuck? So listen, it's, it was a wild episode. It was a wild experience. The high that I felt in watching the finale, it was a different feeling in watching um, part three today. But I really wanted to process it with you guys because, my God, there were some moments that were just so fucking nuts. And the way that Lisa spoke to Sandoval and said, we haven't seen you apologize. We need to figure out a way. You, you know, if you want to figure out a way forward, better your act, essentially. Or maybe, tr- you know, truthfully in a moment with him, we need to see you have this moment of vulnerability, of acceptance of what you did. Can you imagine having that conversation with this man because he still has not? And he hasn't today. He still has not, according to that pod with Schwartz, which was recorded the day before, I believe it was published yesterday. He still hasn't. And you wonder why every woman in America is upset. Leaving you with that, guys. Let me know your thoughts and feels. Had to unpack it with you. So many more episodes to come. AGs who are OG of the AG who don't watch VPR and might not be interested in this. I, I, I love you. Thank you if you're listening to this episode and hopefully getting some idea of entertainment or escape or anything else. Don't worry. There's Housewives com- hunt content coming. Oh my God, words are hard. Okay. It's the combination of the fire smoke and the fact that I had a brain episode last year and parts of that have curdled and the t-shirt. Okay. I'm at a two right now in terms of communication and skill. What is words? Okay. What is they? Um, I just want to thank you. I know that this is not a Vanderpump Rules podcast, but it is a podcast about Bravo and psychology. I'm so excited about taking it personally. The new production from AGHQ, which you can listen to um, here where you listen to Andy's Girls. I'm so excited about those new episodes. I think Vanderpump Rules in many ways inspired me to open that door. Uh, that had been ajar for a while. It was an idea I came up with forever ago, thanks to Friend of the Pod, James LaRosa, for naming it. But it, the theme of it, the mission of it, in many ways, is the reason that I love recording these episodes, including solo deep dives, because taking it personally is often used as an insult. Stop taking things personally. It's, it's something I've heard from any number of people when it comes to an interest in discussing the scandal. Like, this isn't your life. Okay. But I have one, and it involves um, a pleasure that I find in TV and in having these kinds of nuanced, hopefully nuanced conversations. Sometimes just full forward, what the fuck? Sometimes it's like, I feel like that person's a piece of shit, and that's okay too, because that's the way that oftentimes we process and react. And my opinion of the reunion and my expectation and my understanding of certain things may be very, very different from any number of people listening to this episode. I frankly hope it is. How boring would I be if I was just a piece of cardboard recording every week over the course of many, many hundreds of hours having the same opinion across any number of shows? I don't know that people would necessarily listen. But at the end of the day, it's 
it's my opinion, which is one of many, and it's true to how I feel in the moment. And I also have to say, Sandoval would hate the mission statement of AG, which is normalize changing your mind based on new information. I think that's the way that part three in the last five minutes felt explosive to me. Because at the end of the day, when you are in a relationship or in a dynamic with someone who's telling you your reality isn't true, to hear on television the way that Sandoval was more fully held to account by that edit, by that producer, and by Raquel potentially being honest, that does something to a person. And that that does something to potentially the experience as a viewer. So I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode, hopefully continuing to listen and for sharing your satchels of gold and your thoughts and feels because I'm incredibly excited to unpack those on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, number one way to support the podcast, you get more episodes like this. And trust me, there are many coming. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Send me your thoughts and feels on social at Dame Galley. Give me a little follow. We'll love you forever. And thanks to all of you for listening. We got through it, guys. We know the last five minutes. Please, if you're a musical theater person, start playing some Jason Robert Brown. Thanks to all of you for the 18th time. My God, hashtag it's about Tom. Bye-bye. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.